1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: Howdy, folks, and welcome to the 100th episode. 100th!
3: Yes, it's a huge milestone for TFL Talking
2: Trucks podcast. Indeed it is, and for this 100th episode, Many of you guys have been asking us to talk about real SUVs. In other words, truck-based SUVs. Because we talk about pickup trucks a lot. So we decided that we would do our best of 2021 proper
3: SUVs. And looking at 2022 models as well that just came out. That is correct, Amundo. And also, Happy New Year.
2: Happy New Year to all of you.
3: Yes. I hope you had a
2: wonderful Christmas, Kwanzaa, Festifus, and Hanukkah.
3: Yes, absolutely. And looking forward to a, hopefully a brighter and better and just more successful year for 2022. It's always brighter. Every year is better. Yes. Every year, is, I don't care what
2: anybody says, every year is better because you're still breathing, at least now I am.
3: So. And that's the optimistic <laughs> view that we all have. <laughs> it is. So a theme. Uh, before we move on, we have to thank our hugest supporters. Yes. From patreon.com slash TFL car. That's the. Basically, the only Patreon page we have for Mm. TFL Studios. Right. And recently, just a day ago, Jeremy Tai and Jackson, I'm sorry, Jason Jackson supported us.
2: (laughs) I I really do enjoy when you get tongue-tied. I'm sorry. (laughs) I I really shouldn't, but I do. I
3: I even practiced You
2: have been practicing. You've been doing great. Guys, thank you so much for your support. Without your support, we couldn't do what we're doing right now.
3: Yes, and patreon.com slash tflcar, of course, if you support us there, it's a quick and easy way to communicate with us. Yep. Uh, Questions, comments, feedback. And also tfl-studios.com is all of our, you know, seven channels and four websites. Everything we do is in one place, tfl-studios.com.
2: Yeah, you may notice we have a few channels and a few websites, so it does make it a
3: lot easier to have it all in one
2: spot. All right, so um, there's a lot to talk about because what's – interesting is that there was a point in time just a few years ago when all of us were really certain that suvs now i'm talking about trucks with a frame frame based suvs real ones the biggest ones the big ones were going away uh, or disappearing that they were being replaced by you know unibody
3: Crossover Crossover style
2: SUVs. And, you know, inevitably that they would be gone because they're heavier and, you know, less people wanted them. That's what we thought. That's what we thought at one point in time. And then things started to change. And now there are new players to the game. And honestly, SUVs are becoming really popular again. Really, really popular. So we've driven this year several, including some new ones. And, Honestly, the grip that they have on the industry is still there. And I'm thrilled about that because I really do like a big heavy-duty SUV, especially if I'm towing or hauling a bunch of stuff. And that's exactly what these things are good at. But now they're coated in, well, it's been a while. They're, 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 they're luxurious. <laughs> and, and they're, they're expensive. More so. yeah. yeah, and they're getting more so. Man, are they getting yeah. more so. Yeah. So uh, why don't we start this list? You go ahead and take it away.
3: Yeah, dude. So... I Along with your comment, I just wanted to say that, yes, so GM has been there from the beginning. They really have. The Chevy Suburban has, what, seven, eight decades now that the Suburban nameplate has been around. It it always had kind of the similar spirit, right? It's a big wagon-looking thing, Mm -hmm. uh, now SUV, we call them, and truck-based, very capable, And, you know, GM always had a stronghold on this segment, right? Which they still do. Yeah, and they still do. Absolutely. Um, They're the best-selling, the Chevy Tahoe, the Suburban, the GMC counterparts, and also the uh, Cadillac Mm -hmm. Escalade uh, is part of that family. But now we have a lot more pressure uh, and a lot more competition. Namely, I want to start with the Grand Wagoneer and Wagoneer. You because want to start
2: there? Okay, I thought we were going to uh, end up there. <laughs> okay. Well, let's start there and okay. then
3: make it full circle. Okay, exactly. Bring, sounds bring good. it full circle because this is the latest SUV. We actually have it in our fleet this week mm-hmm. for testing, and you and I have been beating on it uh, <laughs> already.
2: <laughs> yeah, we have. We, we, we've done quite a few videos with it, and Andre will be doing a towing video with it. There's an off road video with it, lots of driving impressions. We're driving the crap out of it. Now, bear in mind, there are actually two different ones. There's the Wagoneer and the grand Wagoneer, and they are both truck based SUVs. Whereas in Jeep also produced the brand new uh, grand Cherokee and grand Cherokee L they are not truck based. Those are different vehicles. So this is based on, the ram 1500 platform pretty much right
3: exactly so it has a really beefy frame Mm -hmm. Uh, i was fortunate enough um, actually grand wagoneer team and jeep had an event in new york Mm -hmm. new york city for the launch of this thing this was back in august i was fortunate to be there and i got to see the chassis in person Mm -hmm. talk to the engineers so they basically took that beefy fully boxed frame Mm -hmm. of the truck and they modified it slightly because uh, they added independent rear suspension. Right. This is where everything is going these days.
2: I can't think of a single large SUV that no, that has a solid rear axle now.
3: Well, the Land Cruiser just uh, went away. Yeah, that had a solid yeah, that's rear gone. axle. That's yeah. gone. Uh, I'm Sequoia's trying to think the Sequoia away. is being redesigned, yeah. but it also had an independent suspension. Right. Um, And then the Expedition has that. Uh, Now the Tahoe Suburban and GMC, which just recently happened, that recently were designed with that uh, suspension in the back. Basically it's adding comfort, right? Well, and and driver stability,
2: I mean, it it does help a little bit with, I guess. And
3: it's also actually adding interior volume because Mm. what they're able to do when you're adding um, independent rear suspension, you can drop the floor in the back.
2: Which is what they told you at the uh, event you went to. Exactly. So
3: you can drop the floor, so you have better access to your cargo, and then the third row you can actually sit normally. You know, the floor is actually low enough to where you can actually relax. That is a
2: huge benefit, but I think a lot of people out there would say, okay, but you're losing a little bit when it comes to towing and perhaps articulation for off-roading. Now I don't know about the towing part because some of these numbers are pretty impressive still. But off-roading, I do agree, you do lose articulation. However, they're learning to compensate for a lot of that with these really big SUVs by doing some very interesting things with their suspensions.
3: Yeah, so uh, as we talk through this list, how about we kind of mention some of the strongest suits and the, in the weakest ones, right, for, for each one of these. So the Grand Wagoneer, I wanted to start with it because, you know, it's on our minds. You mm-hmm. know, we're, we're testing it. It's, it's the newest one. Uh, the Wagoneer, like you said, is kind of the 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 beginning mm-hmm. right for them. So it, it starts in the seventy to $80,000 range, kind of in the middle there. Right. Um, and then the Grand Wagoneer, you know, originally because we knew this thing was coming years ago, right?
2: But before we jump to the Grand Wagoneer from the Wagoneer, can we just quickly talk about yeah. uh, the Wagoneer has the smaller displacement V8. That's the 5.7. Right. I don't think that the Pentastar comes with it, does it?
3: No, no, no. And I'm kind of glad it does not. Although <laughs> the Pentastar is in the Ram 1500. Right? Yeah, which is, it so. struggles
2: a little bit there. But I mean, it would struggle a lot with a heavy vehicle like that. So just, just to get a, a, you know, a basis. So totally. That's where it starts. And then the Grand Wagoneer. Which is the one we're currently testing. And that has the 6.4 liter V8. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the big Hemi. Yeah.
3: And it sounds good. And and it matches that vehicle just perfectly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although that engine matches most things it's in. (laughs) Right? Because they had the Durango with it and still have. They have the Grand Cherokee, the previous generation with it. Um, They've had. They almost put it in the Pacifica, I think.
2: Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean if they could, they would. That's the there, Power Wagon
3: has the same engine. Yes, yes,
2: yes. and it's an absolutely excellent, excellent powertrain. Uh, not the most efficient, but um, it, it sounds really good. It moves. Anything very quickly. What is it a uh, 400 and what horsepower 400 For, 471 71? Yeah 471 that is impressive. What's the torque uh,
3: 455 pound-feet of torque? Mm-hmm. So it's not the torqueiest one in the bunch.
2: No, but it's got the most horsepower I believe out of everything yeah. it competes against. Yeah
3: As, as of this moment. As of this, as, moment as of this moment because we think there are more things are brewing mm-hmm. especially in General Motors land because uh, there's a rumored uh, high output or high performance Escalade Yeah. may uh, maybe coming. A V model, so, yeah, a C- yeah. So, but for now, this is the horsepower king, and it's also king on paper, at least, of towing because mm. it can tow up to ten thousand pounds, which which is a great round number. Yeah, uh, it was a number that. In recent years, manufacturers like Chevy and others have not been able to touch.
2: Yeah, I was wondering about that. So before that, it was like what ninety three hundred pounds or something like that. Or?
3: Yeah, that was the Ford Expedition. That yeah. was the leader. Yeah. yeah,
2: and 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 so this is a big jump. Uh, we know for a fact that that big Hemi can pull. So the fact that it's going onto a heavy vehicle—what does it weigh? Over six thousand pounds. Yeah. So a big, heavy SUV, three row, that has independent rear suspension—that's able to tow. 10,000 pounds, that I never thought I'd hear.
3: Yeah, and I think this is where the customer base is coming from, Mm -hmm. not just uh, because it's luxurious and nice and big, but also a lot of people, you know, a Chevy Traverse is fine, a Durango is okay, right? Mm-hmm. A Durango will tow, what, you know, 7,500 pounds, you know, 8,000. Even more with uh, the, the big... Sometimes uh, they're, you know, they're rated a little bit higher than that, 8,500 right. pounds, right? right? Right, right, But you're kind of at the limits of that platform.
2: Yeah, and it, it's, it's not a truck either, really. Right. It's, it's more like a car.
3: Right. Now you're getting... Yes, how many people will tow 10,000 pounds with it every day? Probably almost none. But the fact that you know you could, that's where it's the key. It's, right? It is all about you know, right? Uh, you know what, what looks good on paper. It's knowing. So if you want to tow your horses somewhere, like the image we're showing you right now, mm. you know, if you want to tow big boats, big ass, big campers, a
2: big ass uh, airstream or something. Yeah, like that, you, you can could, do all those things with mm-hmm. this. So that's the idea. With the whole family aboard yeah. and not have to worry about anything other than fuel, because I believe was it 13 miles per gallon city.
3: 18 highway and 15 combined. Uh, in some of my rough testing, this was not verified at the pump. Mm. Uh, I was able to get on my highway run from the office to home. Mm-hmm. I was able to get 20 MPG. Jeez, that's pretty um, good. And this big V8, the 6.4 has MDS, so cylinder deactivation. Right. So it can run in four-cylinder mode. Similar to
2: what G- General Motors does with their V8s. Yeah.
3: yeah, and also similar to like the Power Wagon. The Power mm. Wagon does that too in yeah, their heavy-duty the, trucks. Yeah, 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 So that's,
2: that, that's in a high-efficiency truck that is. No, Um, no, no, no. But
3: But still, if you're nice to it, you can (laughs) eke out a couple more No, I
2: I am impressed with that. Uh, I think that a lot of people out there are going to think, okay, that is a really big V8. It's impressive that it doesn't swell quite as much gas. Does it have to take super unleaded?
3: Uh, I think in this most luxurious version, I think it it does. Mm, Yeah, I would imagine so.
2: So that's a little pricey. And then the other thing would be that you know, we're, we're expecting to see uh, hybrid powertrains and twin-turbocharged V6s sort of pr- proliferate. You know, be, yes. like, go. I know that's the wrong word. They're, they're going to dominate, I think, a lot of these classes very, very
3: soon. Well, that's Ford is hoping for that. Right? right?
2: And so is Toyota, I think. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's reasonable to assume. So, but not Stellantis, not FCA. They're sticking with the really big honking V8. Yeah,
3: and I think... Uh... I don't know and this is kind of traditional view that mm. maybe i have too because when i look at this big suv and coming up to it in person it, it is huge. It's, it's huge yeah yeah
2: it, it, it it's a little it looks bigger than a yukon to me and it looks very similar to a yukon from the side but not from the front or the back
3: yeah i'm coming up to this thing and then hearing it fire up it's kind of traditional luxury that's the image i'm getting right yeah i got gotcha. if it was silent let's say it was electric right mm. and it just pulled up i think it would have slightly different I don't know, connotation to it and maybe the styling would need to change. Yeah, definitely different appeal
2: to it that way. Yeah, I would agree. So, okay, so we've covered what I think you and I would agree is perhaps one of the more surprising, luxurious models out there. Yeah, the price is steep, but I think it might be competitive at least, you know, at first blush.
3: So. And the, the, they try to compete with almost every um, other vehicle we mentioned. So the Chevy Tahoe. But unfortunately, like the Nissan Armada, the Chevy Tahoe, the Ford Expedition, they have very, very value-minded models. Yes, they do. Um, so I know, you know, not many of them deal a lots, but they have two-wheel drive models, uh, very, very basic, that undercut the Wagoneer in price. Oh, significantly. Right? Yeah. But I think the vision for the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer was to try to cover some of that you know meat of that segment mm-hmm. a little bit more affordable but also go after the luxury segment so the, i think they have the like the lincoln navigator the Escalade and it's in their sites mm-hmm. especially like the infinity qx80 yeah uh, in all those guys.
2: Yeah, I would agree that the, that they really wanted to compete across the board because if you look at it, once again, I, I'm going to mention the uh, Grand Cherokee. So if you go to the Grand Cherokee and you start looking at where that enters in terms of the price and competition, that's sort of a center point that moves up class and then you get to the Wagoneer and then to the Grand Wagoneer. So that was, I, I believe, Jeep's thing is that they wanted to compete with everybody toe to toe in terms of product, in terms of luxury, in terms of pricing so yeah these are super expensive these grand wagoneers however if i mean man i i recently was in a range rover and um i gotta tell you i think they beat range rover i i'm just saying in terms of interior um, quality and okay. comfort and ride it's incredible it is it just as incredible
3: yeah and i think the jury is still out you know a lot of you are probably wondering okay what about reliability durability exactly We get well, you know, We've had this vehicle for a week, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, we still have to, you know, see it in the market longer, you know, see how it performs, you yeah. know, talk to other people, see how that, yeah. that and, is and You done. know, there's, so,
2: it's aside from, you know, the basics. Yes, we know that, you know, any vehicle can be recalled. But the big question really is for some of you, perhaps, is just how will this hold together over time? We'll, we'll have to see over time. The good news is we do know that the 6.4 and the eight speed are proven and they in have, other vehicles. Yeah, yeah, in other vehicles that have proven to be fairly reliable. And so that's a good start, I guess. And then with the regular Wagoneer, the 5.7 has also been proven to be a fairly reliable engine. So those are good starts. Um, are they high-tech? No, <laughs> not really. But they make up for it uh, in terms of just raw comfort and luxury and opulence
3: yeah and of course this has every feature if yeah. you choose a grand Wagoneer, you have you know this premium stereo like i think twenty three speakers uh, 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 Mac- uh, macintosh Macintosh I was but I Apple. don't think it's related to Apple <laughs> I <don't see> <laughs> uh Macintosh stereo over like thirteen hundred watts of maximum output power you have air suspension you have uh you know beautiful side steps that are huge uh, uh, some uh, of the most comfortable yes. seats that I've been
2: in with massage. Yeah, with massage. Yes. Now that was the level. We had the level one, right?
3: Yeah, that was and there's one. still
2: two more levels yeah. available. So yeah. it's pretty incredible. Okay, let, why don't we move on to other vehicles though? Because yeah. there's a lot that we've driven this year.
3: So let's keep going with some of the uh, kind of a mainstream vehicles uh-huh. and then hit more of the luxury ones too. Right. So we have to start with the Chevy Tahoe and Suburban. Mm-hmm. Um, like we said, GM has been dominating this segment. And I think it's partially also because, because they always had focus on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had focus on the consumer versions of the Tahoe and Suburban and also government sales, fleet sales. Right. They've always been very strong with it. And now it's been redesigned about a year ago. Right? Right. Um, and now it's, once again, bigger, larger interiors, uh, more capable, more power options with a diesel even
2: yeah yeah and more luxurious too um they the the interior that was one of the biggest complaints i had earlier you know a couple of years ago is that the interiors were kind of bland and yeah. old school and not great they were okay Now they're really nice. Um, Also, now that they've gone to an independent rear suspension, there is more space in them. In fact, I believe that they are still the space kings. I believe that the Suburban does have the largest um, uh, capacity in terms of cargo. So big vehicle, all new platform, all new interior. The one thing that is a carryover is the powertrains.
3: Yeah, a lot of the powertrains that they're using—the five three, uh-huh. the six 6.2, right—one of our f- very familiar engines. Yes, it is. And the three liter turbo diesel is now available in um, many, most now trims of the Tahoe, right, and the Suburban. And now they're expanding the availability of those engines across the board, right. Uh, for example, the GMC Yukon eighty four now has the big V eight option as well. Right. And speaking of the uh, GMC, we did drive the Yukon
2: AT4. It was a special edition of that, too. It was like
3: it? a premium. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and once again, <laughs> these are now luxury machines, too. Oh, my God. And the prices keep creeping up and up and up. Yeah. Unfortunately,
2: yeah. that is that is a side effect. But that GMC AT4, we took off-road, and we really took it off-road. And it did remarkably well, considering the, how big it is. It's very, very wide, and it's one of those vehicles that you really don't want to scratch because I think the one we were driving was how much? Well, it wasn't 80? ninety-one, 91 like thousand. dollars
3: uh, This grinding Wagoneer was ninety-one. Yeah, uh, this one was I think right below eighty. Yeah, that was so it. So still a lot of money uh, for this vehicle. Yeah,
2: and Andre had me drive it, and I was white knuckling <laughs> it the entire time because we we did some obstacles that really could we, have scuffed it up, and we did actually bottom out a couple times. But the good news is is that the overall setup and that new well newish rear end. All worked remarkably well. We actually did a lot of off-roading deliberately in two-wheel drive, just to see how it would respond. And it did great. Uh, Beautiful interior. Now, uh, less than a year ago, I drove an AT4. uh, No, I drove a Denali. AT4. Yeah, yeah, that was a diesel, diesel, right? Right. right, And I drove that cross country and um, around 2000, over 2000 miles of driving. And that thing was fantastic. It got amazing mileage. Great range, was smooth. I mean, it was an absolute dream to drive long distance. So, really, I mean, the diesels that GM are building for these uh, half-ton vehicles and whatnot are fantastic.
3: And I think that was a perfect, probably, use case for that, right? Yes, the yes. Denali diesel. That's why we wanted to do it. You had to go long ways, and it, it, it excelled at that. Fantastic. This big Hemi in the Grand Wagoneer may not excel at that because, <laughs> it, well, it's just, well... It's big, but it, if it goes into four-cylinder mode, maybe it will get to 20, like I said. But the diesel is well above 20. Oh yeah, I yeah. was
2: uh, yeah. In some cases, I was close to 30. It was incredible. Anyway, uh, but the, the powertrains that GM offers are probably the most diverse currently amongst heavy uh, SUVs, large SUVs, I should say and so they do have those three engine options and then there's a rumor that i recently heard andre Mm -hmm. and that is is that that new 2.7 well that revised 2.7 liter four-cylinder uh non-diesel regular gas engine but it's a turbo uh, but it puts out a ton of torque, I'm hearing that that might actually show up in some large SUVs, which would make sense because they already put it in their half-ton trucks.
3: Yeah, totally. Um, I think it makes sense. That rumor is viable, I think. It's yeah. not confirmed. Um, but you know what else is a rumor? Hmm. Uh, there's a rumor that a Jeep will stretch the Grand Wagoneer, make it yeah, longer. This is a recent if, rumor. If you believe that. Um, well, yeah. so it was kind of in the ether. Uh, it was it was mentioned once by I think one of the executives, uh-huh. uh, and then it kind of went away right. for a while. But recently, there was a prototype out there, and people uh, eagle-eyed viewers like you guys spotted the longer length in this Grand Wagoneer. So I think the Suburban will have a competitor on its hands
2: once again. I believe um, that Stellantis, kind of like GM, um, is is trying to play against everybody. And they are one step away from doing it. And by building a long wheelbase version of the Grand Wagoneer,
3: they would have, yeah, it's possible,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, why not? You know, and if they're seeing demand, then why not? Just keep building for demand, mm. you know, whether people like it or not, it doesn't matter. It, it matters that people actually want to buy it. And they do. Uh, I can already tell you that this Grand Wagoneer, it may not be their best seller, but it will sell well, at least right off the bat, um, if they can actually build them and get them to people. So it's impressive.
3: So so let's mention the third vehicle, the third competitor. Mm -hmm. And then also I want to talk about off-roading a little bit more. Yes, please. Uh, We already started down the off-road path. Uh, the, uh, The Ford Expedition and the Expedition Max. So the Max version is their long version. Exactly. Right, and the Expedition is their strictly tahoe competitor right right um so it's also been refreshed recently recently yeah yeah for 2022 model uh, unfortunately we weren't able to be at the debut mm-hmm. uh, we didn't get an invite to that but which is it's, it's, weird it, w- it is weird mm. but you know 2021 you know what are you gonna do <laughs> uh, COVID and others and other things uh, um so this truck you know had Now it's getting a refreshed interior. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're putting that gigantic vertical screen now in there, Mm -hmm. in some of the models. And the front end has been redesigned, but they're going just one engine, you know option right which is their twin turbo 3.5 liter eco it's their only solution uh, but it has a couple different like tunes right depending on which version you buy you can get a little bit more horsepower a little bit more torque right it's almost like the high output raptor version of the engine but it's not to that extent it's just uh you know different versions of that twin turbo
2: now uh well, two almost three years ago i think it was that you and i went to california and actually picked one up and drove it back here it was a video series, a two-part series we did where we raced a um, Suburban that came in from Chicago. We came in from uh, Malibu, California. And uh, we actually took that Ford off-road in In Moab. In Moab, yes. Yeah, and it did fairly well. And it was an interesting vehicle one that i was kind of hoping that they would go a step further with and they may they may actually do it they may have an off-road version coming soon like a real dedicated one
3: well they're also working on the timberline versions that's yeah so they're trying to spice it up but we haven't driven one
2: no we haven't so So until we do we really can't talk about it much but uh, that that is an impressive vehicle but they need to now apply what they've done with the f-150 in terms of interior quality and that has to be applied to the new hopefully they've done this to the 2022 Ford um, expedition and also by the way um, we should move on to the navigator later on but all overall they have been improving. But there are some spots that I found
3: that I think… That they could refine still. Indeed. Absolutely.
2: Exactly. So I just wanted to mention that.
3: Absolutely. That. So like we said, GM um, SUVs, the big boys, have been dominating. Yeah. It was, sometimes there were like 75% of sales overall. But Ford has increased. Yeah, Ford has increased. That was several years ago. Mm-hmm. Now Ford is here in a big way. They're trying to, you know, chip away at that lead. Right. Um, and they're doing it to some extent. Yes. Uh, with a lot, like we said, value-minded offerings, off-road versions, uh, this most recent Timberline version um, that they're actually pretty proud of. I was recently on a Ford Bronco event mm-hmm. in Nevada. hmm did I say that correctly? Nevada. Yeah, that's fine. So a lot yeah, of people give d- me grief. Oh, uh,
2: let them give you. It doesn't matter what we say. Um, people can yell at. Well, us. I have an
3: accent anyway. So Come do on. I. Anyway, so <laughs> um, some of the engineers at Ford, uh, they they wanted me to drive the Timberline, hmm. and we haven't. We haven't had a Ex- Explorer Timberline actually, or the. Uh, expedition. Uh, well, timberline. why would
2: they want to give it to people who are up in the Rocky Mountains <laughs> and have you know the, you know the snow and can and, see
3: the timberline uh,
2: right from our office? Literally, can see the timberline and also, You know, and we have this whole outdoor lifestyle thing going on. Why bother, right? So
3: we'll we'll, we'll see. I mean, obviously, this coming year we'll hopefully get our hands mm-hmm. on it. But like we said, they're trying to expand their offerings. Right. They have the long wheelbase. You know, they already have that covered, right? Um, so they also have to a large extent the fleet sales. You know, they sell a lot of fleet vehicles, yeah, as they well. do, yeah. So they're actually pushing GM, and I think that's why GM is, you know, expanding their offerings and you know, expanding their engine availability, which is smart, yeah, right.
2: I mean, on both ends, it's great competition is the best thing in the world for you guys and for everybody. And I love the fact that Ford is out there pushing GM and then they're pushing right back, but. What that also means is that there are other players out there that are kind of... kind of. I wouldn't say they're going by the wayside, but maybe they're not getting the coverage they deserve.
3: Well, let's talk about one. Yes. Uh, the Nissan Armada. Bingo. Yes. Yeah,
2: I, I, I actually drove one. Yeah, yeah. We, and it's been refreshed significantly. It actually got a real refresh. So exterior slight redesign with the front end and the rear end. But the interior redesign is really the notable part—the uh, all-new central IP thing with the screen that's what 12.3 inches, I think.
3: No, I think or is there's it, slightly smaller. Is it smaller? Is it? Yeah, this? but once again, I think you nailed it—the uh, new Armada, this most recent 2022 model mm-hmm. that they just came out with. The interior—I hate to say it—it's almost basically Infinity quality. <laughs> I know. I, I look at that and you just know, like why. Bother Infinity, with the Infinity is a great interior, and yes. we'll talk about that a little bit later. We will, but. This Nissan Armada is pushing the the limits of that.
2: It is, and uh, we recently took one off road. We actually took it off road against a uh, RAV, or, or sorry, RAV4, a Forerunner, and just just for fun. And uh, Andre, you got to drive that off road a lot, and I was watching you from the outside and watching the articulation. Nissan has a really good thing on their hands when it comes to four-wheel independent suspension with decent articulation. Mm -hmm. As I said, I mean, you're a big-ass SUV off-road, and you were able to go over almost everything by maintaining full-wheel contact, which is the whole point.
3: And then the Armada also has this distinction of being one of the more affordable entries. Exactly. Right. So they have the begin uh, the base model, mm-hmm. which is, I believe, just under 50 grand to that's, start.
2: That's a two wheel drive version. Yeah. yeah, but you still get a lot of the interior components, the nicer interior. Granted, it's it's not the fully you know the plush one, yes. but it's still uh, fairly loaded. And you get it standard with the five point six liter V eight and that nine or seven seven speed automatic transmission. And that's standard. There's no smaller displacement engine or anything like that.
3: Which is weird. They didn't go to nine. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, a big conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, which is a little bit odd. So I think uh, the Nissan Armada obviously doesn't have the same sales mm. numbers anywhere closer to what Ford and GM but, is uh, doing.
2: Wouldn't you agree it's just it's a really well-put-together, solid SUV? I it, think
3: it's under underappreciated. Big sure. time.
2: Actually, uh, if we went back a year ago when they were still selling you know, Sequoias, I would take an Armada over a Sequoia. I, I know that sounds weird, a lot of you guys out there, but I'm telling you the Armada is really, really good. And... It's overlooked, yeah.
3: So we, we talked about the previous uh, manufacturers, right? Expanding their range. Mm-hmm. I think Nissan could expand theirs too. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm still waiting for the Pro 4X Armada. You know, Wouldn't I think- Wouldn't that be great with a locker? i think there's room for that in their lineup and they will fight exactly against you know the z71 tahoe mm-hmm. the 84 gmc and now the the wagoneer which also has some decent off-road chops as we found out
2: yeah yeah, yeah. The, the wagoneer is a very different type of beast compared to that one though and, and the one thing about the, the nissan armada is that you know it is based of course on the nissan patrol which as you guys know overseas is a proper off-road vehicle and it has a lot more available overseas than it does here. So the components exist is my point. So putting a locker in it, giving it a lift, putting larger proper off-road tires on it and slapping some stickers on it, honestly, I think it would increase your sales, Nissan. But, you know, that's up to them, of course. I really think they should do it. I I
3: agree. I I, I think there's room, especially in their price range for Mm -hmm. that, and also the image, you know, the image of that off road capability. Precisely. And also capability. Yeah. <laughs> not just the image, yeah, but also I, capability.
2: Yeah, I, I really do think that they're missing the boat by not doing it.
3: Uh, the Toyota Sequoia rounds out this uh, truck-based full SUV, more of a basic SUV segment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically, well, it's going to be redesigned soon. So that's the rumor and that's the information. You know, Toyota has not come out and said it. No, but but, but the prototypes are there. Right. Right. So and it's going to be like you alluded to, it will most likely be twin turbocharged and share a lot of the components with the new 2022 Tundra.
2: Well, they did officially announce that it would have the TNGAF platform. Okay. Which which, Which is a Tundra platform. Which is a Tundra platform. So it would make sense that it would also receive the Tundra powertrain, which, you know, this is no surprise, folks. Uh, We're talking about something that has more power, more torque, and, you know, is higher efficiency numbers than the um, old V8 that, unfortunately, as awesome as it was, just isn't as efficient. So that's one of the reasons, you know, better performance. I believe it's lighter, too. So all these things that line up make for the possibility of a new Sequoia being a pretty incredible one. Honestly, this current one is ancient. It's yes. one of the <laughs> oldest vehicles out there, period. Yeah. In terms uh, of design. So it was
3: last, this chassis that's currently on sale, mm-hmm. it was last redesigned like 07, 08. <laughs> So it's what, it's reaching on to 14, 15 years. Yeah, nearly Tommy's now, age. Yeah, almost. And But what people, I think it's also a little bit underappreciated in its four-wheel drive form and also their TRD Pro form that they have. Um, it's Coming up to it, it's also very, very spacious and roomy. Yeah, climbing inside of it, but you could tell the age obviously from yeah, some that, of the interior. Yeah, really,
2: that's my big issue. But with
3: but it. the utility is there. I think. oh,
2: it, it's it's a great vehicle, and I'm not. I wasn't trying to put it down by saying I would take the Armada over it. I'm saying that the Armada has enough new uh, kit to make it feel contemporary, whereas in the Toyota, really does feel yeah. like I'm buying a ten-year-old vehicle. You know, by comparison. So that's my issue, but. It's going away. We know that. Um, I mean, everybody knows that. So it will be replaced by something that is hopefully more athletic and more economical, at least at the pump.
3: So, what do you think will happen in 2022, this coming year? Let's say, let's look forward 12 months. Okay. Okay, to this time um, next year. Do you think uh, GM will maintain its huge lead? Yes, I do. You do? But, but, but I have a theory. And
2: this this absolutely is just a theory. It's It's not even a rumor, folks. This is just something that I think would be logical for Ford to do. What's the powertrain that you have in your truck right now?
3: It's a hybrid. Right.
2: And I think that that powertrain inside of a Ford large SUV makes a ton of sense. It would be highly efficient, highly capable, probably the fastest damn thing out there,
3: and also add utility. Well, you yeah, know, export power, or export whatever, export power yeah. and whatever. Yeah. yeah,
2: I think that Ford would be really smart to consider putting that powertrain inside their Expedition. Well, I mean, they already have a hybrid explorer, right? I mean, they have, they're, they're you know, they're adding. The groundwork
3: is, l- is late.
2: Right, exactly. Yes. So they have it. Why not do it? And try to strike before other guys do it to say you're first, which I know matters. But I think it would increase your sales having that as an option.
3: Dude, I, you know what? Uh, I'm surprised. This most recent, the 2022 uh, expedition and also the Navigator refreshes. Mm-hmm. You know, Re- Navigator. I, <laughs> The Navigator almost looks the same. It's been refreshed. Yeah, I know. But still, um, I'm surprised they're not already hybrids. I I am too. That's my opinion, once again. I think something happened in some of the um, uh, shortages Mm -hmm. and some other issues that we've had in the industry this year that something got pushed back slightly. That's my impression of it. This is not Ford's. You know statements, uh, but I think I was already expecting them. Like you were saying, uh, I, I think if they do that, they could chip away at GM a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, in a bigger way. And of course, Toyota Sequoia. Whenever if it comes by the end of twenty twenty two, which it should, mm-hmm. and we're expecting it to yeah. do that could chip away at some of this as well. I would agree. By the way, um,
2: you you mentioned delays and things being pushed around with Ford. Well, that is indeed true. As a matter of fact, um, they had to move around some PHEV um, models that they were supposed to start on in order to increase their production of the Ford Mustang Mach-E. Uh, because they are they're tripling the amount of production well, because it's production. popular right it's now. super popular yes, so yeah. they're just going to crank them out and because of that other PHEVs are being moved over and not not completely sidelined but temporarily pushed back and perhaps something like that happened that wasn't announced with this the possibility of an upcoming PHEV or not PHEV, but just regular just a hybrid, you know, hybrid yeah. version of you know these big Fords, that would be awesome by the way. So let's move on though, because we have more to cover.
3: yeah, totally, totally. Uh, we, we have some of the more luxurious vehicles coming right and We're not mentioning things like uh, for example, the Rivian R1S. Right. It's, it's not technically, truck. well, it's technically, it's a new animal, right? It is. Uh, yeah. And it's also large three row electric. Mm-hmm. But, we, you know, th- I think they sold two of them so far. <laughs> and it, one went to RJ Scarring, who is the CEO. Yeah. So it's not really a sale. I mean, it is a sale, I, yeah, it's, but but it's to the employee of the company. Right, right. And, and, um,
2: on, and on top of that, to be honest with you, we're not, there are a lot of other three row uh, vehicles that we're not covering in this list, because in my mind, to make them onto truck, they have to have something that is truckish, which is a frame. And those don't have it. New. So let's cover the luxury vehicles. Let's they cover do. the ones
3: that do have, have them. So uh, on this segment, we already kind of talked about the Yukon XL mm-hmm. uh, and the Yukon. Uh, but Escalade, we haven't mentioned much. Uh, let's talk about the Cadillac Escalade. Yeah, they really surprised me. With uh, that Lincoln Navigator, we mentioned briefly. Mm-hmm. But let's well, we'll go di- back to that. Let's dig yeah. a little bit more. QX80, let's dig in a little bit more. And then this all-new LX600, which is the new Lexus.
2: Yes, which I'm very happy that they've decided to build.
3: And I, I we actually saw that in, at the Los Angeles Auto Show. Uh, I actually got some time to actually sit in the new Lexus. So that's all goodness.
2: Yes, it is. So why don't we start, at, you know, I would say at the bottom sales-wise, which I think would be the QX.
3: Probably. I don't have the exact sheet in front of me. Mm. And some of these companies don't report sales until... The quarter ends, right? But last is, last
2: yeah. time the QX was, it it wasn't too bad. In fact, do you know that the still the largest uh, state for consumption of the QX is California? You know where a majority of those are. Uh,
3: I was going to say Bay Area. No,
2: no, no. Southern California.
3: (laughs) Beverly Hills.
2: (laughs) It's interesting. It it really does appeal to certain people of a certain financial level. I guess that maybe they have to tow some, you know, horses occasionally or, you know, I don't know, slaves or I, I don't know, something like that.
3: Wow. No, I think it's mostly... I think part of it is status, I would say, uh-huh. right? That's where the Lexus badge, the Infinity badge come in, I think, the mm-hmm. Cadillac badge to some extent. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's status and just being cuddled by an SUV, if that's such a thing.
2: But what's so strange about the QX is that they did recently do another, an upgrade with that one as well. So they kind of tightened it up a little bit on the outside and then the inside had some upgrades and it's a really pretty interior. Um, my wife loves riding in the new QX. It's It really is very nice. However... Honestly, I cannot justify the financial di- disparity between that and the Nissan Armada. The Armada is so good that I just don't understand why someone would want the QX. You know what I mean? It, it's just and they're they're basically the same vehicle underneath.
3: Yeah, basically, you know, the chassis, the powertrains. Well, uh, but I think the QX does have a little bit more power. It used to. So, you know how the QX, you know, basically required premium fuels. Mm-hmm. Most of these SUVs, by the way, require premium. <laughs> yeah, they do. We're, we're now in this rarefied air, uh, But now they made the Armada engine also, pre, you know, capable of increasing its power levels based on premium fuel. So now they're even closer together. Right, and they're so, both
2: 5.6 liter V8s. So they both have the seven-speed yeah. automatic transmission. Um, and we've, we've driven both of them extensively. That, you know, to be honest, you know, we got a lot of those. And I just, um, it's a it's a perfectly fine vehicle. I just think that the Armada is so damn good that I, it just wouldn't make any sense to get the QX.
3: I think once again, it's kind of a status thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, right? I, I'm sure so, you're right. So, I mean. You know you and i may not i have a work truck you know <laughs> bought an f-150 work truck so uh I, I don't know if we're experts of status well but we have
2: family who are and uh, yeah. but more importantly and i get it you know you could say the same thing about cadillac versus say a suburban but uh, this one is right is different for me at least just in terms of when i look at them side by side but nonetheless uh, they have made some improvements and they appear to be on the same trajectory as they were last year they're going to still build them. They're still going to sell them. And apparently people in Beverly Hills like them.
3: Yeah, and they have some new trims, uh, mm. s- slight uh, accessories, uh, colors. And, you know, recently, I think we test drove one about a year ago, which had that kind of Stormtrooper look, you know, the black yeah. trim on white. So, which I thought was very attractive. It
2: actually. was, As I said, my wife
3: absolutely yeah. loved that one when I brought it home. So, and then, of course, I think we have to mention the, the Lincoln Navigator. Um, vol- Volume-wise, I think they're near each other. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, we don't have the latest numbers from this year because right. it hasn't closed yet, technically. Uh, but the Navigator, you know, it was redesigned. It was all new, right? It came out uh, with a couple of years ago, yeah. two, three years ago. Now they've updated it. They refreshed it for 2022. And once again, I don't know if they went far enough for the refresh. Um, if you look at two of them, the previous one and the and the next one mm-hmm. side by side, you will be able to tell some you know differences. But if you see it on the street, you may not know it's a new one.
2: I would agree with you. I, I have to squint to really be able to you know and make sure they're not moving, so I can see the differences from the outside. Uh, I still think that they need to up their game interior wise still, and that's that's my biggest disappointment with the Lincoln is the fact that. It's their best-selling Lincoln, the Navigator, uh, I believe it was at least, uh, and it's there's so much potential there, and they're just not quite stepping up to their game. You know what I mean? Well, I it, think
3: it, it, it needs a hybrid. It needs something <laughs> well, to, it to to jazz it up, right?
2: But but on top of that, it needs something to really make it different than its competitors. Exactly. You know, and that's the thing. Yeah. It's not that different. Yeah, okay, the powertrain is, but powertrain is also very similar to what you can get on a Ford so once again it's a question of what else makes it different and I just don't think it's that different you know Um, but but to be fair uh, I drove one around quite a bit actually a couple years ago before the refresh and it handled beautifully it was super quiet and that's the one thing about Fords is that they're able and Lincoln super super quiet but once again, I just really wish that they'd have something just to perk it up a little bit more.
3: I agree. And I think if they do, they, they will see their sales in, improve. I would agree. Because I, I just looking at the numbers, they were kind of, you know, fl- flattish. Their mm-hmm. sales were not going down necessarily too much or up too much. Right. It was kind of uh, about status quo. Uh, I think they may need something like that hybrid powertrain. Just give it the more push, exactly, p- pizzazz, exactly, exactly. Efficiency, power, whatever, whatever. And may uh,
2: maybe another interior update. To be honest, it's got to be as good, if not better, than the F one hundred and fifty. And I don't think it is. Um, okay, so
3: then from there, well, I think the Lexus uh, is in the space. Wow, and yeah, it's, and it's been very successful as it is. Uh, it's just a steady steady, steady vehicle that just always gets the sales it kind of wants, mm-hmm. or what Lexus wants from it. But now it's all new. Right. A uh, new platform, once again, TNGAF, which mm-hmm. is shared with the Tundra and some others. Right. Uh, and twin turbocharged power. Yeah. But no hybridization which yet. Which is crazy
2: because I thought it would. Oh. Because overseas, they... <sighs> So for those of you who don't know, they basically got rid of the Land Cruiser here in the United States, which hurts. And what we were hoping is that when the Land Cruiser was reintroduced as the new model overseas, that we would get a version of it via Lexus. And we kind of did, but we also kind of didn't.
3: Yeah, and so what we did get, the new LX600. First of all, it's a new name. Mm -hmm. It was LX570 with the V8 powered. Now it's not, now it's twin turbocharged power. 10 speed automatic, right. just like the Tundra. Which actually, if you look at the Tundra, we have a long term Tundra in mm-hmm. our fleet. That's a really good powertrain. You know, lots of torque, very you know easy going powertrain.
2: Yeah, surprisingly easy going,
3: and also relatively efficient. You know, it's not going to blow you away with efficiency. Because it's not a hybrid still. (laughs) Right. Right. But the power is really good. The the torque is there, you know, Mm -hmm. 400 and almost 500 pound-feet of torque, in fact. Right. Uh, Lexus Mm -hmm. takes the torque just a little bit higher uh, than, of course, Toyota Tundra. Uh, But the interior they redesigned. But they kept the whole... See, Lexus LX never competed against those long wheelbase versions, right? Mm-hmm. It was always relatively small wheelbase. By comparison. By comparison, maybe... Like
2: 190, or there, was like a, a, there was a number that was considered the perfect number or something
3: It's like the perfect number considered by Toyota. It's, yeah. it's like, it's what the Series 80 uh, Land Cruisers used to be, the right. Series 100, 200, 300. Uh, I think it's like 110 inches or something. Yeah, there there was a specific was a specific yeah. number, but it's in millimeters too. Yeah, uh, of course. So so it's a very specific uh, wheelbase because they decided that that's also that's a great combination for on road performance and also off-roadability because mm-hmm. off-roading was ev- always important. So can this Lexus them.
2: off-road? I, I haven't seen it. I at don't all. know. <laughs> what, did, well, did it have a low it, range and?
3: Yeah, it does. It does okay. have four low, but once again, it has kind of low hanging body components. Right. And by that, I don't mean the frame. I mean like the bumper covers, the side steps, that type of stuff. Which so is what it,
2: Lexus has been doing for years and years. So yeah. Every once in a while, a smart guy will go and tear him off and turn it into a proper four by four, but you know, whatever.
3: So, and they even, when they debuted the Lexus LX, they showed it running in the desert, mm-hmm. right? Uh, And it has the most clever suspension. Uh, I want to test it side by side with the Grand Wagoneer, in fact. Really? Because the suspensions are supposed to be that good.
2: And they really do compete if you think about it, too. They both have frames, they're both (laughs) relatively expensive, uh, extremely expensive, I yes. should say, but they're both very luxurious and off-road
3: capable. And off-road heritage, lots of heritage in this space, mm. right? So, so this is going to be interesting. I, I hope we get the LX six hundred. I think actually Roman is going to be testing it later in January. Oh, great! So, so stay tuned for that. And if we can bring it here for some competitive running, uh, we will do that for sure. That sounds really good. Okay, cool. Hey. <laughs> So, so then we have to go to the Escalade. I mean, the Escalade and to some extent the GMC brothers, the Yukons, mm-hmm. uh, they still were and are uh, basically sales popularity leaders in this space. Uh, Of course, the Yukon sells a little bit more than the Escalade, but the Escalade has also been redesigned recently. Mm -hmm. The other thing that GM is uh, really going after is the self-driving aspect of it, right? Oh, so they got the Super Cruise. The Super Cruise uh, semi-autonomous system came out last year in the Escalade. Mm -hmm. um, And now it's, you know, the latest system uh, available on this truck. Uh, Who else is doing it? Well, I think, well, Ford, the, the latest F-150s, Blue Cruise, I think. Blue Cruise yeah. Super Cruise and Blue Cruise. Yeah, Actually, well, they're fighting about the names. I'm sure they are. Yeah. The lawyers are going at it. Um, <laughs> but um, so Lexus offers, um, speaking of some semi-autonomous technologies, mm-hmm. these are not full self-driving. These are systems where the driver still has to pay attention. Although on some pre-mapped highways, uh, the vehicle will steer it by itself and um, drive on its own. Uh, Lexus has a system approaching that level, mm-hmm. but um, the uh, LX, this most recent one, you know, it's not available at launch as far as I understand. Gotcha. So, so maybe, you know, GM has a slight edge here.
2: I would say they do, and, and they were smart to push a lot of PR. So Super Cruise now goes throughout their entire lineup in terms of General Motors trucks. Uh, And now, recently, they announced that they are able to use Super Cruise with a trailer, which is something they weren't able to do before. Right. So, uh, and Super Cruise really is more for highway use than it is for street use. Totally, yeah. Yeah. And they've been pushing it real hard. It's a tech that they want to kind of make their own. And because of that, and because the PR for once was actually pretty damn smart about getting the name out, everybody recognizes it. I don't think as many people recognize Blue Cruise on Ford
3: or other systems. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or these other yeah.
2: autonomous systems other than perhaps Tesla, which is a whole different thing. So yes, they have that and it's available on the majority of their models for Cadillac. The really cool thing is that you can get an Escalade with a diesel engine, with Super Cruise, and cruise like Endlessly. <laughs> endlessly. You can you can make it a third of, well, not a third, but you can make it a quarter of the way across the United States on a tank of fuel if you plan it correctly. Yeah. That's how damn efficient they can be. And then we're talking about a massive escalade, which is an impressive vehicle and also one that I love and hate at the same time. I, I just I can't stand the wheels. They're always way too big and it's just useless for off roading. But twenty twos <laughs> it just doesn't yeah. make any sense to yeah. me. But it, it you know, for, for looks and status I totally get it.
3: Well, here's the thing with GM, and I think this extends not for me, not just the Cadillac Escalade, but mm. also the Yukon lineup. Right. Uh, we already mentioned the 84, the Denali uh, lineup, which is also very luxurious and close to where Escalade is. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I think, once again, there needs to be something to spark another, like, really something exci- exciting. And uh, I'm talking about power. Mm. Uh, very, very soon. Uh, There'll be more electric vehicles here in this space with monstrous horsepower numbers. Mm -hmm. And here it is, the Cadillac still has 420 horsepower, right? Mm -hmm. Which is decent. Yeah, sure. But once again, similar to the Navigator comment, right? Right. There needs to be something extra. And I think that's where the rumor with the V is coming from. Well, it's not... Well, it's actually more than a rumor. It's more
2: than a rumor because I believe on tfltruck.com there are some photos of what we believe is a Cadillac Escalade V or some sort of V variant. The
3: prototype has been out for months and months and months.
2: And it's got a quad exhaust, a real one, not some sort of fake one or whatever. And from what we hear, quite literally, it's supposed to sound like an absolute Banshee, which indicates to me that it could be uh, the Corvette engine or some sort of a you know or supercharged some version
3: yeah. of some, of a V8 yeah which i think so here's what I, what happens when i'm looking at you know the six figure price tag right mm-hmm. and most of these are you know at or above a hundred thousand, right? You know, if you get a loaded Escalade, it's above a hundred, which is just uh, insane. A loaded Navigator is above a hundred. QX80 eh, pushing a hundred, not quite. Maybe. I think
2: uh, the most expensive one I saw was ninety, ninety something. Yeah,
3: uh, Alex also pushing a hundred, but you know, maybe not quite so there. Right. Uh, also, we're not mentioning Range Rover. Uh, technically, not a truck frame. Yeah, so, so it's not in for, this list. for at least for us for US. Mm-hmm. Um, so. When I'm talking about, when I'm thinking about that much money, and that has to, uh, circling back to the Grand Wagoneer, uh, I'm really glad they used that 6.4, because it gives them the horsepower advantage, right? Mm -hmm. 471, it's 51 horsepower more. And I know it may not matter when you go into the grocery store, but when I'm talking to my neighbor, I'm saying, you know what, I have 51 horsepower more than the Escalade. You know, that's when it matters, because it's status, it's a symbol. the Escalate needs more power, the Navigator needs more power, the QX80 needs more power. I think the LX needs more power. Okay, so- More we, power we, so- to the people. <laughs> no, seriously, you go, Andre.
2: Yeah, we solved the whole issue right here is that everybody needs more power. And, and this is this is a nice golden period because things are gonna change rapidly. There are requirements that are coming up in the near future that will make these big V8s and these you know gas guzzlers Well, extinct, frankly. So I think that you're going to see more and more electrification very soon. And I think progressively, at the very least, you'll see hybrids and then probably plug-ins, and then we'll see where that goes. Mm -hmm. But the real question is, what's going to happen with the horsepower war? I think that Andre is absolutely right, that Cadillac is probably going to try to kick back over and try to make... Over the Grand Wagoneer. Over the Grand Wagoneer, which is now the power king. And then, of course, there's going to be probably a Hellcat that they're going to throw inside the uh, Grand Wagoneer, but they won't call it a Hellcat because that's unsophisticated. And uh, Mm, then, 700 horsepower, something. Wouldn't that be awesome? Um, Well,
3: it's a luxury SUV. Yeah, I mean, why not? While you still can do it, right? There's no ceiling there. I mean, you know, would you pay a hundred grand for a current Escalade or 130 for the supercharged one? I think you you'd probably pay 130 dollars for the supercharged one. So easy Or say, whatever. When, or electric- we don't have, when we don't have that type of money, it's so easy uh. to say, oh, yeah, you go out
2: paying that at $30,000. But at the same time, they have to fight. You know, they, they have to have a halo version of each one of these vehicles, right? They want to get you into the dealership. Even if you don't get that one, maybe you'll get the less expensive one, which is the whole point. And so will they go and continue this horsepower war with now the luxury segment of le- uh, proper uh suvs i think they will Mm -hmm. i I think you're right and it's gonna get crazy and i love it i love it because i i know it's limited it's you know i would say within the next five years things are going to change drastically
3: yeah and even if it's electrified there's still power Mm -hmm. you know i'm not saying you know let's not electrify i'm just saying i think these vehicles are now at this status level where. I want everything. If I'm gonna pay that money, you might you know, as well just get I, I it want the massage seats. I want the high power numbers. I want you know 23 speakers playing music at me. All that stuff. Yeah, I, I, I want, I'm not gonna. Do, I, uh, you know, I, I want that.
2: And I I do know people. You know people who are at that financial level where they could afford something like this and perhaps would. You know what's interesting is that I really do think that the Grand Wagoneer, the way it's currently designed, does fly under the radar. And I think there are people out there who really like it. But also there's another thing to consider, and that is in the future, we may be seeing some other players come into this realm, perhaps not with a frame-based SUV, but Genesis and some of these other companies that have been quiet about really big SUVs, they may surprise us too.
3: Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. There's been some hu- concepts from Hyundai and Genesis, you know, mm-hmm. kind of hinting at bigger vehicles, right? Right. So, and, and
2: once again, the Palisade and some of those other vehicles are not included because we're only talking about really SUVs that have a frame.
3: Yeah. And once again, I think there's space for this. And the segment is growing, like we just mentioned. Yeah. Uh, there is need for this because not only, yes, there is a the luxury side of it, but also capability side, right? If you don't want a truck, if you have no use for the bed, mm-hmm. right? You want more people carrying capacity, right? But you still want to tow. These are the vehicles that would do it. Um, yes, you can tow, you know, seven or eight thousand pounds, like we said. You know, maybe with a Durango, you can tow what five thousand pounds with a Forerunner. But when you need bigger, tra- when you have bigger trailers, more toys, this is the only way to go.
2: I agree, and you know, after doing this a lot, and and I've towed with a Suburban full of people. It was interesting, and this was years ago, but that vehicle drove beautifully. It, it towed fine. This is uh, early days of them still actually still using the 5.3. And it still did a really good job towing. I think it was 6,000 pounds, and I had seven people inside mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with gear and no problem and that's part of the point yes the numbers for some of these unit body uh three row suvs are are pretty impressive but if you really load down one that has a frame that's why we're talking about these they can handle a lot and you can still beat the crap out of them and they'll take it you know they're strong and that's one of the most important components here is the fact that you're talking about rugged capability and at the same time, utility. You can do a lot with these things. And I'm you know, i guessing that people will still see that because there's even more of them out there now.
3: Yeah. And uh, maybe even um, looking forward once again, uh, maybe the next frontier also is not Nissan. But uh, the next level would be like four-wheel steering. You know, more capability. Yeah. These things are getting bigger and longer. Yeah. So, you know, more maneuverability. Maybe even, of course, more complexity. But, hey. When you have massaging seats and 23 speakers, you know, where, where else can you go? Yeah, I know.
2: And, and and complexity, you know, a lot of us find it as a dirty word. I do. Uh, but at the same time, I get it. You want all your toys. You want to be able to communicate with 50 different people at the same time and get your texts <laughs> and get your massage and have your panoramic roof and have air suspension right, and right. all these things. Everything that you add, of course, you know, could be something that goes wrong later. But the good news is... These products have, in many cases, been around for a while and as such are becoming more and more robust and hopefully can last longer. This is hopefully. And, yeah, I mean, with these massive SUVs that are so expensive, you want it all. So why not get it all, right?
3: Absolutely. And I just want to say as we close down, uh, once again, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, Thank you for sticking around with us for 100 episodes. Yes. Uh, we'll hopefully we'll see you in a hundred more, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah. And once again, guys with the Patreon and just, just for, for viewing us and listening to us, thank you very much. Your support helps us make this happen.
3: Yeah. Whether you're here just on a TFL talk channel on Mm -hmm. YouTube, or you're just listening on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for listening and/or watching.
2: Yes, and let us know what you think. I'm curious to your perspective. Would you buy one of these? Why would you? Why wouldn't you? I know a lot of people. Will, why wouldn't you? Okay, that's an easy one. But why would you? Why would you buy one of these really expensive, you know, high roller frame based SUVs? I'm curious to what your point of view is. So please
3: let us know below. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. Take care.
0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient.